Welcome back, my better days aheaders. So check it out. I said, would you guys like a Q&A episode with me? And you guys said, hell yeah. And I said, sweet. What would you like to know? And you submitted your questions. And initially I said I would take the top handful that seemed to be asked over and over and what seemed to be of most interest to you. Then I changed my mind. I said, fuck it. If you ask a question, I'm going to answer it. So I hope this episode isn't 14 hours long. I apologize if it is because you guys know that I like to talk, which is why I have a podcast, but I like to answer questions in a meaningful way. And I don't want to just be like purple, you know, spring. So even if you don't care about learning about me, which is totally fine if you don't, I think you'll still get something out of this podcast episode because looking at some of these questions, they're not just like, what's your favorite season? They are more in-depth questions. So I hope you'll stick around even if you don't get any education out of this or learn anything and you don't care about learning about me, I at least hope I entertain you. And if I don't do any of those things, well, I'm very sorry. So without further ado, welcome to Q&A with Dr. A. Isn't that cute? Okay. First question. And these are in no particular order. I just grouped some of the questions together that were basically the same exact question for sake of answering easier. So what's your favorite music and how much does mood affect selection? Great question. I'm going to start you off with a disappointment and say, I don't have a favorite music. Now, hold on, hold on. Cause I, I know we're not starting off very strong here, but I have a lot of favorite genres. What I will say really quickly is mood typically affects selection because as you can imagine, if I'm hyped up or going to the gym, I'm probably not going to listen to something like Nora Jones. Love me some Nora, but not when I'm going to the gym. She has no place in the gym. So what I will say as well is my favorite band has been Blink-182 since I was like in fifth grade. Okay. And Atmosphere is probably my favorite artist as well. But I don't listen to both of those all the time. So on the whole topic of how does mood affect selection, for instance, underground hip hop reminds me of my late teens. So sometimes I'll listen to it when I'm feeling nostalgic, but sometimes I'll also listen to it when I'm not. Atmosphere, Living Legends, Aesop Rock, Idea and Abilities, Greaves, stuff like that. And I also told you Blink is my favorite band forever. Such a diehard fan. And lately I've also been back on this kick of listening to, I guess a lot of the music I listened to like 10, 15 years ago. I don't know why all of a sudden it's coming up. Not that I listen to a lot of newer music, but I have started getting right back into the alternative rock and pop punk from that era that I love so much. So bands like Neck Deep, Newfound Glory, Sum 41, The Offspring, all of the bands that I had CDs of, and I still have those CDs. I just don't obviously use them anymore because technology, but those have been the flavor of the last few months. Also, by the way, Offspring, they messaged me on Instagram a few weeks ago and I had no chill. I wish I was so much more poised, but I was not at all. But we exchanged like two messages each, which was really cool. I had posted something on my story, basically being excited because I was supposed to see them live in concert that night. And they responded back and were like, have fun at the concert and whatever. Anyway, super cool, right? How many people can say that the offspring actually talked to them? But yeah. So anyway, I think I beat this question into the ground. So let's move on. What is your archetype? Well, I took a quiz one time that told me I was spiritual, intellectual, and a caregiver. Like almost equal amounts of all? Question mark? Does that answer correctly? Question mark? Let me know. Okay. 
here are a few questions that are lumped together. So what is your backstory and what, how did you get into what you're doing now? Someone else also said, what motivated you to enter your field? Someone else said, what made you do this professionally? What caused you to get into this type of medicine? Why did you decide on mental health? Also, someone said, how long have you been a doctor? That's an easy answer. It's, uh, okay, maybe it's not easy. I think it's three and a half years. Yeah, three and a half years. It's licensed in 2019, end of 2019. Yeah, okay. So as far as the rest of these questions go, this is going to take a minute or two, so please bear with me. But around 14 or 15 is when I started getting interested in this field of medicine. I have a family member who works in holistic medicine, I guess we'll say. And 14 or 15 is when I really started to have my interest peaked by what they did. So I started researching this more because I knew I always wanted to be a doctor, but I had reservations about it because I didn't want to just write prescriptions. So in doing my little research, I found out about naturopathic medicine and was hyped because there was a school in Arizona that was accredited and was legit because a lot of these schools out there are not accredited and they are not medical schools, but one of the very few happened to be in Arizona. So I, it started to get the ball rolling a little bit, but the next few years go by and I kind of lost sight of that and what I wanted to do. But then I got to college and for the first year I was undeclared because I just wasn't sure where to go in terms of life again. And when I had to declare a major, my guidance counselor was like, Aria, you can't be undecided anymore. What do you want to do? And I said, I don't fucking know, Donna. Well, I didn't say I don't fucking know, but I had no clue. I was like, I don't know. Can I just wing it for now? And she said, absolutely not. So I said, okay, I'll just go pre-med. And she gave me this look, you know, to kind of say, taking on a pre-med major isn't something that you just wing or you just decide on a whim. It's kind of a hard major. But I said, no, let's do that. It's the only thing that makes sense. So that's what I went with. And towards the end of college, because I graduated with my pre-med degree and a minor in chemistry, I had to decide what I wanted to do with that. And so I went back to my search about naturopathic medicine, decided, okay, I'm just going to go to the school that's in Arizona, which was SCNM. So after I did my undergrad, that's where I went for medical school. So... An addendum to this is what made you go into mental health? And I think there's another question somewhere in here too that said like, why psychology? So I'm going to answer both of these at once. I grew up with a few screws loose to put it in a somewhat comical way because it wasn't comical at all. I was a very troubled kid and I spent my entire teen years being really isolated and lonely and unwell. and. By the time I was 11, I had developed one eating disorder. By the time I was in my mid-teens, I had developed two. And I was very depressed, very anxious, borderline agoraphobic. I had to graduate early because of my health. And I was missing too much school to where I was going to have to go to court for it. It was terrible. I was having a really rough time. And it makes me really sad to think about those times because my entire teen years were compromised by what I was going through. So... I had a really hard time. I didn't have friends. I was very isolated and growing up was very lonely and sad. And going into this, not even just like this field of medicine, but this sector of what I do was important to me because I wanted to be someone 
that I didn't have in those times when I was growing up. I wanted to be someone who could validate people, who could show true empathy and let people know that they weren't freaks, you know, they weren't weird, there wasn't something wrong with them, that someone understood them and saw them. And what's very interesting, this is how I'm going to wrap up this question, but I swear I'm answering like four questions in one. So I'm sorry, this is taking a minute. But when I graduated and I had started working on my own, I was in physical medicine or something. I was working this job that I, I wasn't really passionate about, but it was okay. But it wasn't where I knew I wanted to be in a few years. And when COVID became a thing, because it was a couple months after I had started working for somebody else, when COVID hit, it changed everything. And then I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And at the time I had a, ma a manager, a colleague, someone who was my friend, who urged me to get on TikTok. And I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Are you out of your mind? And he continued to badger me about it until I finally caved. And I started using TikTok as a way to just like kind of generally educate on things. I wasn't in mental health. So bear in mind, I got on TikTok in like March, 2020. And for the next few months, I didn't really have a niche and I was just kind of fucking around on there, but I was educating people and I picked up a following, but September is when I started talking about mental health and also when I really began my healing process after something that had happened to me. They hit at the same time, which makes perfect sense, and that's where it became a passion. But I had some reservations about talking about mental health and myself especially because I'm like, the internet's going to think I'm a fucking freak, a weirdo, but actually the response was really positive, and I'm glad that I, I finally had the courage to just show who I was because I think it's been very helpful for a lot of you guys. But if you've been following me, if you've seen any of um, my interviews or anything like that, I've talked about this before, so I'm sorry if this is repetitive, but someone asked the question. So anywho, moving forward, impact on kids of staying or leaving a marriage with substance abuse. Oof. Big oof. I said I'd answer all questions, so I'm going to answer this one. And what I will first say is I am not an authority on this subject, okay? But if you're asking me my take, personally, I think staying does way more damage. I know it's a really tough scenario, but addiction creates very unhealthy dynamics and unhealthy learned behaviors in, ch in children. I know I don't need to explain that. If it's like uh, you're working on it and there's a, re a recovery type thing that's going on, then I could see how that would be beneficial. But if your kids are around active addiction or it's looking like a seesaw situation where things are good and then they're not and it's flipping back and forth, I can't see how it would be beneficial. But for what it's worth, I'm really, really sorry you're going through that and I hope that you are okay. Next question is thoughts on EMDR for complex PTSD, for CPTSD. I am very pro EMDR in general, but there are some scenarios it is not safe because it can essentially trigger the recipient of EMDR too much and cause them to relive the trauma in a damaging way, which is why it's important to vet candidates appropriately. And if you are trained in EMDR, then you know how to vet candidates and decide is this going to be a good move for someone or not? Also, I know you didn't ask, but if you guys haven't heard of brain spotting, brain spotting is something that is similar to EMDR, and I'm also a huge fan of that too. So if you're looking for alternatives to EMDR, you know maybe it's something you want to talk to your therapist about. Next, does a patient or a client's religious conviction 
change how you approach helping. Ooh, interesting. Sure, I guess in the sense that I can maybe use their belief system as a tool to help them and empower them when appropriate, which is only in certain situations. I don't think it's appropriate for everything, but it's always like a they bring it up and want to talk about it type situation. I'm not extracting that information out of people. I don't think it's appropriate to do that. And I can see how it's beneficial for people to have something to believe in and lean on so they don't feel as though they have to do everything in this life on their own and take on the pressures and the stressors of being a human being living in this life all on by themselves. I know a lot of doctors don't talk about this, but we probably should more because talking about this stuff can fit very well into some aspects of health and healing. We see, for instance, in oncology, patients that have cancer, lots and lots and lots of studies have been done in Western populations regarding the benefits of having a spiritual belief or religion and how we see positive health outcomes and positive impacts on the quality of life of said patients. You can even read about it on the National Cancer Cancer Institute, like cancer.gov site. Also, this is why hospital chaplains are a thing, you know? If you mean, though, do I have a bias towards people who have a specific belief or do I try to push anything like that onto people? Do I try to push my beliefs onto people? Sounds ri ridiculous to even say, but, you know, maybe someone's wondering. Absolutely the fuck not. I am very, very, very adamant about the fact people can and should believe in or not believe in whatever they want. That's not for anybody to pressure them about, period. Okay. What are you into right now in regards to podcasts or books? Well, thank you for clarifying. It's in re regards to podcasts or books. I'm kidding. Uh, I am into all things self-help. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Dowdy, Tony Robbins, Abraham Hicks, Joe Dispenza, any and all material that they have. Joe Dispenza has a litany of books that I am in the process of making it through right now. I have read and I am now rereading The Habit of Breaking Yourself. I think that's the full title, but his material is so dense that it's something that you probably need to revisit. So if you're looking for kind of the next step in your healing, those might be good resources for you too. I can't say enough good things about all of them. Biggest fear. Well, I'm actually not sure how to answer this one because I wish I could say heights or the boogeyman. But what I will say is there are some things that keep me up at night. So let's move on. Favorite art. Uh, I like music. I also love paintings. My mom was a painter for a really long time. And it used to be a past hobby of mine. Haven't done it in a really long time. One of my favorite art-related things lately as well is something called Wonder Spaces. And if you live in Arizona, you probably know what this is. I don't know if they're in other states too. But it's an interactive art installation, essentially. And I love those things. They are so freaking cool to me. I also would consider nature to be art and particularly flowers. I fucking love flowers. I know that might seem weird because someone who looks like me, like dresses in black and has a lot of piercings and tattoos, I don't know how else to describe it, but whatever vibe I give off doesn't really seem like I would love colorful, bright flowers, but boy, do I. So I think they're probably the most beautiful things in the world, to be honest. Next question, more tattoos. Are you planning on getting any more? What's your next tattoo? 
I really didn't think I would have any more plans after I finished my leg sleeve, truthfully, because it took everything the fuck out of me. My God. But the next one will probably be my dog's paw print and eventually all of their paw prints. But after my leg sleeve, my gosh, I was just so emotionally exhausted from finishing that bitch that I didn't think I would ever go back to getting another tattoo. But here we are. Next question. How do you get over the struggle of lacking energy to put into another relationship? Truthfully, taking a break. If you lack energy with something, you are probably lacking passion. And I found to regain that, taking a break is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Finding your inspiration again, checking back in with yourself, recalibrating. Now, as someone who used to just continue to run into that wall over and over thinking something would change or I would just push through, and sometimes I still do this, it actually doesn't help. It just drains you more. And I try to just push through sometimes, but the energy isn't there for a reason and I have to honor that. I think things like this will teach you to really respect where you're at, even if it's not your best showing, even if it's not how you want things to be. And it'll teach you to be compassionate and operate in the true name of self-love and self-respect. You can always come back after a break though. Just remember that. Who is your sister? What's her deal? What's her deal? Uh, I would argue I still don't really know what her deal is, but I will give you the cliff notes. My sister is a sergeant in the army. She is a major badass. She is my favorite person. She's a few years younger than me, even though everyone seems to think that she's older. I'm not sure why, but she's not. She is a vet tech and she's in charge of either one or two clinics out in Colorado. So eventually she wants to fly, I think, either planes or helicopters or both. Um, I can't totally remember, but she will probably be switching branches in order to do that. So she's got a lot of dogs. She's super goofy. And she can and probably will kick your ass. And she is really hard not to like, truthfully. I'm not even just saying that. She's extremely likable. So she's dope. If you ever get the chance to meet her, you are lucky. And next question. When did you figure out you wanted to be a doctor? Oh, I definitely think I answered this. Maybe I did a crappy job at organizing these questions. Whoops. Next question is, recognizing trauma and how to heal from it. Well, I guess it's not a question, but it was how to recognize trauma and how to heal from it. What I will say is I don't think we recognize it, but let me explain. I think it's something we're educated on. Like I sure as shit didn't know my shit was a trauma response. I had to learn it from someone else. I was taught, oh, that's not normal. That's actually a trauma response. Take people pleasing, for example. I had no idea that shit was a trauma response. I thought I just wanted to be liked by people and I wanted them to like me. I thought it was really innocent. Then you learn it's this fawning type of tra trauma response where you self-abandon and you completely neglect what you need and you adhere to the needs and the wants of others as a way to pacify a threat and to avoid things like conflict and anything else that you could perceive as danger so you can garner some kind of safety. As far as how to heal from trauma, it's a really loaded question. I've talked about this a lot. I'm going to try to keep this really simple because not everyone's trauma is the same and obviously no person is the same. So the approach really has to be individualized. I would say starting with professional help, especially someone who is trauma informed and has experience with trauma, 
which sometimes as a therapist, although not all of them are trauma-informed, I think is a really great place to start. I say therapy because also you want to learn about like why you think and do what you do and how to learn to recalibrate things because trauma will rewire your brain and it will change your entire perspective on life as you know it. And therapy will encompass a lot of work and education that you need to get out outside of this perspective that you've adopted based on being traumatized. You don't know what you don't know. So starting this stuff on your own can be very hard. So having a guide is kind of like a cheat code. And I think starting with a therapist at least is a really good foundational place to begin. I've also talked as well about how trauma can dysregulate your nervous system. So practices that will help regulate your nervous system, breathing exercises, trauma release, meditation, things like that. Also ensuring that you have an environment around you that's conducive to your healing, making sure that you have support, doing shadow work, which sometimes this is an extension of therapy, but not always. And plus, I didn't get enough of this in therapy. I had to do a lot of my own shadow work by myself and I'm still doing it. So these are potentially good bullet points to have in mind when you are approaching the picture that is trauma. I'm going to make more videos in the future too on how I kind of started off on my journey with trauma as well. So maybe that will be helpful as well. Not saying that's what you have to do, but I'm also just going to make that video in case you need some ideas. Next question, what is something you are thankful for? I'm thankful for the people who have my back, who love and appreciate me unconditionally, my friends, my family. I'm thankful for what I get to do on social media and the privilege to help you guys. So I'm going to take this opportunity to thank you for allowing me to be able to do what I do. It's very special. I know not a lot of people get this opportunity and it's extremely fulfilling. I'm also thankful I decided to start healing and that I've had the strength to keep going. I'm thankful for nature. It is my solace, my saving grace most days. And I'm thankful for God. I lean heavily on my belief there. So thankful for a lot of things. What's your perfect date? I'll let you know when I figure it out <laughs> or when someone plans a date so perfect, I've got to talk about it. How does one take you out on a date? You can ask. I'm pretty receptive to those who ask. Favorite Halloween candy? All right, don't come for my neck, all right, but Sour Patch Kids. They're vegan, they're gluten-free, and they're amazing. I know they have a ton of crap in them, all right? I'm man enough to admit I do things like that in moderation, which I think is healthy. It's even less frequent now, though, because they hurt my teeth so bad. Maybe I'm just old, but it is rough and it doesn't, it just feels really weird, but I love me some Sour Patch Kids. Mm. Okay. Do mistakes help or hinder our growth? Mistakes help our growth always, ultimately. Mistakes are opportunities to learn and learning always leads to growth. So long as you use it for that reason, if you use it for that reason, it will propel you forward. Otherwise, it will hinder you and keep you stuck. Even if you do use mistakes to allow yourself to grow, though, and you use those experiences in a positive manner, it can still feel like it hinders your growth. I, I totally feel that. So if you're at this place where you feel stuck and you're like, fuck mistakes, like this is ruining my life. I get it. But I promise it's not the case. The shittiest mistakes I've made have still led me to grow for sure. I have learned some very valuable lessons, even though sometimes it's taken a long time to see it. 
it's happened, but it wasn't without some really dark seasons in my life and some struggles and this firm belief that I was going backwards. And I think it's validating to talk about the stuff, you know, not a lot of people do. A lot of people talk about how mistakes are positive, you know, it helps you grow, but sometimes you go the fuck through it after you make a mistake. So it's valid, but ultimately they will help you grow if you let them. Next question, where do you go to find peace? Nature, particularly the mountains or the forest, but any nature will do. I love me a good beach. I really do. But nature, I love the mountains and the forest though, because where I went to undergrad, it was a very deeply forested area and those memories make me very happy. How doing what you do helped strengthen negative aspects. I'm saying this word for word and I don't know what this means. I'm so sorry. Maybe I'll answer this on another question that's potentially similar. Next question is how to stay positive in the face of negativity. It's a muscle I work. This has also gotten easier since I've realized how people express themselves and what they say to others is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. So often the face of negativity comes from other people, which is why I'm sort of bringing this up. Negativity in my life tends to be something other people try to put on me. So I've just learned not to let them, which sounds really simple, but again, it's something I've had to strengthen over the course of time. Some days I nail it and some days I do not, but I get a choice if I want to take on the shit that other people try to put on me. And I like to throw some things back on people when they try to give it because it's not mine, you know? So I'm just like, take this shit back. I don't want it. I also focus on what I can control because trying to change external circumstances you have no control over is just wasted energy, attention, power, and it's going to drain your positivity real quick. It's just going to be, it's going to suck your vital force out and it's going to naturally turn you more negative. So some things just aren't worth your attention. You're, it's too special to waste on bullshit. And this is something that I've had to learn over the course of time. I also do a lot of mental health exercising and mindfulness practices to strengthen this barrier, if you will, to negativity as well. I have worked a lot on my perspective towards life and what lens I choose to look through. So it's just something you got to keep at over the course of time, but it's taken me a few years to really get to where I'm currently at. And again, I still have my days where I'm just like, fuck everyone and everything. I, I can admit that, but it doesn't last nearly as long as it used to. So if you are going through this, don't let it keep you down for too long. Okay. Ooh, this next one's interesting. How is your walk with the Lord going? Great. It's been an extremely slow process, but it's been about two seriously dedicated years and I'm really loving where I'm at and where I'm going. Granted, it took me going to a lot of different churches and meeting a lot of different people who label themselves as followers who really weren't. They were some of the most judgmental, hateful people I've ever met. So I had to take some time to find a church that I really like and find people who really do express what it means to love God and really live in a way that exemplifies that. I mean, I got out and walked out during a service last year when all the Roe versus Wade stuff was going on. It got too political. It got really shitty. And I was like, fuck it. I am out. And I've walked out on other services too when things have 
gotten weird in any regard. So the, the church I'm currently a part of is nothing but loving and encouraging. I don't know how they mastered that ability to deliver information where people don't feel judged or in a way where they're not up on this pillar and have authority over others. And that there's this community where they really just want to bring people together and bring people up. And it's been really, really amazing to find. Truth be told, I don't I don't fuck with a lot of people who say they believe in God because, again, like they've ended up being some really unkind people. And I know a lot of you guys have been hurt by religion and churches and other people who claim to believe in God. And I'm really, really sorry for that. I respect whatever you believe or don't believe in. And I respect whatever stance you have, you know, against religion. I wouldn't consider myself religious as much as I would spiritual, but whatever. But yeah, ultimately, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm in this place currently, and I'm excited to see where things go moving forward. Moving on to the next question. What was your education path with becoming a naturopathic physician? I think I answered this one too, but to keep this really short, I did my undergraduate degree. I majored in biomedical sciences, which is pre-med, and then also I minored in chemistry. And then I went to a four-year accredited naturopathic medical school after that. Next question, how would your life be different if you had no trauma? Well, I wouldn't be as funny, but I think in some ways I'd be better off. Trauma itself isn't really something people, I think anyway, are grateful for because, well, it's traumatizing. It's hell to go through. I think a lot of people are probably grateful that they had the strength to make it through and heal and do what was necessary for survival. I think people tend to be grateful for the lessons that they learned as a result of the trauma they've endured, but not for the trauma itself. I don't think I would have pushed myself to really heal if it hadn't been for trauma. So I think that would have been different. I sure wouldn't be doing what I'm currently doing if I hadn't gone through it. I wouldn't be educated at all on it. So I think there are silver linings and I think that's how we are able to rationalize and accept such a heinous occurrence. But I had some childhood trauma that, again, pretty much compromised my experience of life as I knew it for the entirety of my teens, like I mentioned earlier, into my early 20s. I missed out on a lot of shit and I was really, really sad and really lonely and I didn't feel like I fit in or I belonged anywhere. Trauma fucked me up and I'm still sad sometimes that I didn't get to live like a lot of the kids around me did, you know? So I have mixed feelings because little Aria definitely deserved better and I grieve for her often, but at the same time, I think it gave me a lot of really positive opportunities and this empathy for people that I don't know if I would have acquired any other way, so... Someone also said, why you're sweet, lovely, and amazing. Well, first of all, I'm really not sweet or lovely, <laughs> at least sometimes. I don't know if you guys have gathered that at all. I can be very rough around the edges in certain situations, extremely brash. If you ask me and anyone who really knows me if I'm a lover or a fighter, they will say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm a fucking fighter. If you interact with me in the mornings, I will square up with you. I'm not a morning person, but... Some situations will bring out my softer side. I genuinely care about people who struggle with their mental health. And that's 
why I love doing what I currently do. And I think it's easy to express that sweet and lovely, quote unquote, side of me in that avenue, like on social media. So it's all about balance. But also, like, please don't put me on a pedestal because I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing sometimes. And I have my days just like everybody else does. All right. I am no better than you. I am in no way, shape or form like superior or anything to anybody. Next question. When can I cook dinner for us? LOL. Whenever. I love eating, but I am vegan and gluten-free because your girl has celiac disease. So good luck. Next question is how to stay motivated and positive when life is crazy. I don't always, I mean, what I do keeps me inspired usually, but we all have our days. It's sometimes just too much. And I wear a bunch of hats so I can get burnt out pretty easily, especially lately. So a couple things I do to try to take care of myself to avoid the possibility that this is going to happen is maintaining regular workouts, getting outside in nature, you know, making sure that I don't spend a lot of time indoors, making sure I maintain regular social interactions, that I prioritize my sleep, that I eat well, the basics that you would think of, because it does help retain a lot of motivation and keep me driven and keep me inspired and happy. But I still have my moments and probably a lot more than you guys would think where I just need to go away and not do anything. And my motivation is at an all-time low. And I'm still figuring out that balance. When I feel myself sliding backwards, I take a break or I scale back. And that's my favorite advice. And the advice that will also drive you guys the most nuts because you want a different kind of answer, but it's true. And it's an imperative part of healing, learning how to take breaks, listening to your body, taking breaks and doing something that will help you find your inspiration again, something that's probably not work-related. For me, it's nature, especially vacation centered around nature or spending quality time with my favorite people. I used to try to force motivation and the older I get, the more I just can't fake it. So my next question, would you date someone who isn't vegan? Oh, interesting. Okay. I have. I mean, I only have in the past, but if I had a choice, I would prefer to be with someone who is plant-based. And I didn't think I'd ever say that, but the more that time goes on, the more the ethics of all of it really do keep me up at night. And it's not that I'm judging. It's just really hard for me to be around all of that, knowing what I know. But historically, I don't think I've ever dated someone who is vegan or even plant-based, you know, even on like that path at all. My ex was vegan for like a few months before he reverted back. So what are you looking for in a partner? Well, I'm not looking for a partner. I'll just say that. I'm more so under the impression and the belief that they will find me or we will just happen to find each other. I won't bore you with like this list of attributes that I would like in a partner and would need in a partner, but a few of these would be someone who's worked on themselves, someone who's emotionally available, generally someone I share similar life goals and values with. And there are obviously a lot more. And I do have my reasons for every single one of them too. This has changed over the course of time. Are you open to a relationship? I am. I would say I'm more open to dating and then letting myself get to the place where I'm open to a relationship. I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done on myself. And dating has also just been such a headache this year. Just so disappointing that I've stepped back in the name of self-preservation 
and to retain my peace and also so I don't flip my fucking lid because dating as you guys are probably many of you anywhere well aware of it makes you want to like rip your fucking hair out sometimes so we'll see where this goes but eventually I would like to be in a relationship again absolutely I think those are all the questions so I started doing this at the end of my podcast because I learned that Bob Barker used to do this at the end of The Price is Right, which was really cool. And it spoke to me quite a bit because he's an activist for animals, or was an activist for animals, and I'm vegan. And animals are near and dear to my heart, and I'm a major advocate for them. So as a tribute to him and also to use my platform, I have in a more meaningful way, in a deeper way than I currently use it, I'd like to start doing the same. So please be kind to animals. Please spay and neuter your pets and adopt, don't shop. Thanks for making the world a better place. Thank you for being here for Q&A with Dr. A. And I will see you guys back here again next time.